This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. I'm Roy Giovanni, and welcome to Betting Weekly, the tennis podcast brought to you in association with Bet Rivers, your hometown sports book. And joining me again to talk all things tennis again is. Former world number four and Miami Open tournament director, James Blake. James, great to speak with you again. Thanks for having me again. Always a pleasure. No problem at all. Now, last week when we spoke, we I think we spoke about Carlos Alcaraz, and he'd almost fallen at the first hurdle at Queen's Club yeah. to Arthur Rindonek. He didn't drop a set the rest of the week, and uh, he beat Grigor Dimitrov, Seb Korta, and Alex de Minor to secure his first title on grass. I mean... We talked last week about what he needed to do to be competitive on grass. What did you make of his performance? Yeah, I mean, Rinder Nech is a uh, is a tough out uh, on grass, especially a big serve. So it can be tricky for anyone. But um, after that, he really, really steadied the ship and looked great. Um, I still think there's a, a in my opinion, there's a, there's a gap between him and the way Djokovic moves and the way Djokovic plays on the on the grass. But it's a really good sign that he's continuing to get better, that he's improving, that if if Novak does ever falter at all um, in the next couple of years, that Alcaraz um, is a player that could step in and could actually win uh, matches and maybe win titles um, at Wimbledon. Um, I, I think it's, yeah, it's just a good sign. He's... Um, he's so young and so energetic and and ready to to continue to keep learning which is always a positive for for someone that young that's accomplished as much as he has that you would think they don't want to they also don't want to stagnate and he's got a great coach in Ferrero and uh, I think they've uh, continued working on getting better and better and and for him it's it's just a really good sign I think um and I think even getting pushed uh, in the first round by Rinderknecht is um is good too because um I think going into going into Wimbledon to know that he can get through a tough match as well as getting through some where he, he beat top players, be very good, especially accomplished grass court players in Dimitrov. Um, Korda has looked good on grass before and, um, and Demonor um, plays well, stays low to the ground on, on the grass. So uh, I think it's a really good sign for him. It certainly is. He's having the week off. Of course, this is the last week before Wimbledon. And most of the big names are taking some time out. Uh, we've got Taylor Fritz and Tommy Paul, the top two seeds at Eastbourne, but Fritz actually went out today in uh, yeah, two tie breaks to Mackenzie McDonald. Um, that was a bit of a shock, wasn't it? A little bit. Mackie can play well on the grass, though, because he stays low to the ground. He moves really well. Um, Robbie Ginepri's been working with him, and I think they've got a really good connection. Um, Mackie just always stays... I feel like he's a he's a tough guy to 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 beat. You have to like earn your win because he he doesn't beat himself. He plays smart. Um, he stays within himself. And and I think for Taylor also defending title there. Um, 
a little a little extra pressure and so it comes down to two close sets two tie breaks and and Mackie just uh just gets the job done it's um you know it's not that surprising um I think Taylor plays so many matches he loves playing he loves being on the road he loves being in uh in tournaments but um at some point you're gonna have a couple of uh maybe lackluster performances if you play that many matches so um I think for him he'd rather have it here than next week at Wimbledon but um but I still think it's, um, you know, it's good for Mackie, but uh, for Taylor, I don't think he'll worry too much about that. I think he'll be, his focus will still be on Wimbledon. It'll, it'll, it'll sting for a minute because he'll lose those points from, from winning it last year, but stays in the top 10, a huge opportunity at Wimbledon where he's clearly had success last year and he knows he can do well. I, I put him, you know, in the top six or seven guys to, uh, to compete at Wimbledon, but I still feel like there's a huge gap between Novak and the rest of the field. So um, I don't, I don't like his chances to win it, but I like his chances to maybe get to, you know, get to the second week. And Tommy Paul's a second seed at Eastbourne. He's another one who probably has an outside chance. And obviously if you take out Djokovic, he's going to have a chance. Yeah. Yeah. An outside chance. And he's, um, he's a guy that hasn't played a ton on the grass, um, you know, at this level. So uh, it's just, it's so strange because it's such a short season and you don't have that much experience. And then once you're done with Wimbledon, you're not going to have that experience again for another 11 and a half months or so. So it's a tricky situation, but he's a great athlete, which I think helps on the grass. And if he can figure out the movement, because he's such a good mover on hard courts, um, if he can figure out the way to move um, on the grass, he can, yeah, he can be another guy with an outside shot. Um, and I think he likes, I, I would guess he likes the the grass. Um, similarly to a lot of these other young players that haven't had that much um, experience, but they're still learning. And um, I think it can be fun for, for an athlete like Tommy. And, and, and looking at Mallorca, um, Stefanos Tsitsipas, the top seed there, and definitely the standout name playing this week. He made, made an early exit at Halle last week, yeah. so probably looking to get some practice in on the grass. Daniel Medvedev also fell early in Halle, and Andrei Rublev took the trophy. What, what are your feelings about playing the last week before a slam? Do you think it's kind of... It's good to get that practice in, or would you prefer to rest up, you know, especially with the men where it's best of five sets in the slam? Yeah. So I would say most times for me, when I felt like there was a chance to win a slam, I didn't want to play the week before. If I felt like I had a real chance to do well. So early in my career, um, before I had any success, I, I played every, you know, any tournament I could get into. Um, and then later in my career, when I felt like, I, you know, I, I probably wasn't really a contender for slams and I was just looking to to get any sort of wins. I get it. But when you're in that middle of your career and you're looking to, to win slams, I, I like um, taking that week off and having your preparation really perfect, getting ready for that slam. That being said, grass is so different that if you don't feel like you've gotten any matches, if you don't feel like you've gotten the practice um, for the grass, um, I understand it more coming into Wimbledon because, um, you know, the, the rest of the year you can practice on clay, you can practice on hard, you've got uh, you've got all of that experience. So if you're someone that's in the top 10 or top 20 in the world, you've, you've probably um, played enough on hard. You've probably played enough on clay that you, you, you feel comfortable going into Roland Garros or into the, the two hard court slams, but grass is just so unique that it's um, that maybe you want to, to get a few more matches um, on, on the grass and see if you can get ready and feel, feel comfortable for Wimbledon. 
So I get it for Wimbledon, but I also understand the players that want to take that time off and, and prepare and be at Wimbledon, um, practicing at Orangi, practicing um, on the actual grounds at Wimbledon, um, getting used to the courts, getting used to um, getting used to the, the facilities there. So um, Wimbledon, probably the only one where I would say, I, OK, I understand a few of the guys playing that week right before. No, just looking at Sitsipas's record at Wimbledon is not a great one. He's never got past the fourth round. And last year, round three exit to Nick Kyrgios. So yeah, he'll certainly be be looking to improve on that. Um, yeah, that was a tough draw, though. Obviously, Nick was playing yes. so well and obviously a very memorable match. But um, <laughs> yes, you're right. His, his record hasn't been good. And that, that can weigh on someone. And that could be a reason why he's playing this week is, you know what? I haven't done that well. Let's try something. Let's try something. Let's try to get a few more matches and see if I can change my change my record there at Wimbledon. And I haven't had a lot of success. I know he lost to Francis uh, a couple of years ago as well. And yeah, he's had some tough draws, but also, you know, for him, he would have expected to at least have been in a second week by now. Yeah, he certainly would. Um, if the men's tournament is looking like a one-horse race, perhaps, the women's tournament, anything but. Um, you've got a few big names in, in action this week. You did get a, a few late pullouts, largely because in Berlin there was a bit of rain and you had mm. players playing twice on the Saturday. Petra Kvitova won in Berlin and Yelena Ostapenko took the title in Birmingham. And, um, I mean... They're both players who, I mean, Kvitova is a two-time Wimbledon champion. Yeah. You know, she she seems to be back in form. She seems to have got over the injuries that she had earlier in the season. And Ostapenko, well, you, you never know with her, but she seems to be enjoying playing on the grass this year. Yeah, yeah. And those are two that, that are those... Um those kind of difficult players to play and the ones that could give the top players, Fiontek, Rabakina, Sabalenka, they could give them trouble. Kvitova has so much confidence going into Wimbledon. I, I love seeing her play at Wimbledon because it just looks like it's her home court. She feels so comfortable there. And for Ostapenko, you never know what can happen. I mean, she's obviously a French Open champion, um, but when she's just hitting lines, hitting winners, um, she can really ruffle the feathers of anyone she's playing against because she takes the rhythm away from you um, and takes you possibly out of your game takes the racket out of your hands so um it's I, i've always thought it would be difficult for her to ever put seven straight matches together like she did that year at roland garros um but that's the type of player that if you're a, a high seed you don't want to see her early in the event because you just don't you just don't know she can play so well that she can put that together and you know the, the problem is she may have one one match where the things just aren't the shots just aren't coming in they're not going her way and then you know she's uh she's out in the quarters or she's out in the round of 16 but it could be first round um i just think it's difficult for her the way she plays the the, the such a level of high risk tennis that um it's tough to put seven in a row together to make her a possible favorite at wimbledon but um she's someone that could definitely be a spoiler I just remember, of course, Kvitova for one in Miami. So I guess you're rooting yes. for her to, to go deep at SW19. Yeah, yeah. I loved, I mean, her her match um, in the finals at, at Miami was great. And it was so it's so good to see her her smile at the end. She's such a great person and um, won an ep epic tiebreak against uh, Rabakina in the in the finals. Um, so it was uh, on a hot day, too. So it was, uh, it was fun to see. She did really well. And, you know, I, I, like I said, when she's playing confident, uh, with confidence, it's uh, it's an impressive sight. So we'll see if she is. I mean, she should have plenty of confidence coming into Wimbledon. So um, she's someone that will be very, very dangerous. And like you said, it's wide open. So I mean, Kvitova could win, Sabalenka, Rabakina. You never know if Jabor is going to, you know, 
kind of step up Coco Goff. I know we'll talk more about her, but uh, there's a lot of people. And I mean, Sviantec is still, still the favorite, but um, I don't know. <laughs> there's a lot of, a lot of competition that's going to look to knock her off her perch. Absolutely. And, and she's in bad Homburg this week. And uh, she had a tricky opener against Tatiana Maria and yeah. dropped the first set despite Maria being played in the challenger final on Sunday evening, flown yeah. back the Monday morning to play in that, in that. It was a bit bit of a farcical situation, really, but she won the first set and then the wheels came off and Sfiontek yeah. won the next two, six, two, six, love. But I was quite impressed by Sfiontek serving in that match. I thought, you know, it looked, it was powerful and, and accurate yeah. and it looked like, you know, she could do damage with it, but I'm still not convinced with her on grass. I mean, when she faces yeah. a bigger hitter, perhaps, I think she might have some trouble. Yeah, I agree. And I think she's her serve is underrated. I, I think her serve doesn't get a lot of um, accolades because she's so good at, at movement and her, you know, her back end so good. And um, she's just a great athlete. But the serve is really, uh, really effective. Um Tatiana Maria can be can be a little tricky. She obviously did well at Wimbledon last year. Um, the slicing and and a little unorthodox. So I can see that giving uh, Iga a few problems. And then once she figured it out, it was one way traffic. Um, but yeah, I think she's um, she's getting some matches in. I like it. I, I, again, like I said, grass being so different. I like playing the week before this only uh, compared to the other slams. And so for her to get those matches in. I think it'll be good for her. Um, and then, you know, she also probably feels that there's that knocking on the door of her number one ranking. There's a the Sabalenka could actually pass her. Um, so uh, I'm sure she, that's in the back of her mind and thinking about the how long she's been at number one. And and probably I would assume I've never been there, but I would think you like that position. You want to stay there as long as you can. So um, but I think, you know, for her, it's going to be a, an effort to prove herself because there are a lot of people, myself included, um, maybe doubting that she is the favorite here. I mean, I felt like she was a prohibitive favorite at Roland Garros. Um, it was her in the field there, but um, on the grass, it really evens out and bounces out with some of these really big hitters. So um, for her, it, it would be an effort to prove herself and say, hey, even on a surface, I'm not the most comfortable, even on a surface where they're uh, they should have a little bit of an advantage. I'm still the best in the world. So um, we'll see if she's able to do that. Um, and if she does, then man, she's uh, she's really then proving herself that she's she's a level above the rest of the competition on the WTA tour. Yeah, definitely getting into the realms of being an all-time great. I think if she if she was was to win win Wimbledon um, yeah. at Eastbourne this week, you've got On Chabert, as you mentioned, last year's Wimbledon finalist and Coco Goff. Um, Nigel's been in Eastbourne this week. I think he's I think he's on his way back now, um, celebrating his birthday today. But um, Shabur, strange exit at Roland Garros mm. to Beatrice Haddad-Meyer, having looked in control. And then she lost to Eula Niemeyer in Berlin, back on track yesterday against Jasmine Paolini in Eastbourne. But do you think she's just a bit short of her best at the moment? Yeah. And I think she's, you know, she's obviously struggled with injuries and coming back. And for her, I think it's, it, it can be a little tougher because she counts on her movement, um, her feel and um, for any players out there, you know, that when you come back a lot of times, let's say, you know, you got a big serve, your serve comes back pretty quickly. Um, you've been injured. It's the feel that maybe is the kind of the last thing to come back. And she's such a feel player um, that if she's a little bit off with that feel that it can really affect her confidence. So I think for her, 
Um, not just getting back on tour is important, but getting back on tour and then feeling like she can get a few wins and feeling like her game can be effective um, is really important. So um, for her sake, let's hope that happens this week. Um, and then she comes into Wimbledon with that feel. But if she doesn't, um, you know, she she really is not the same player if she doesn't have that feel. So um, and if she's not confident to go for some of those go for a drop shot down break point or, um, or hit a, you know, a crazy passing shot and, uh, and go for some lobs or, you know, whatever she needs to do to be, you know, to play that creative tennis and feel confident in it. Um, if she can't do that, it really affects her, I think more than a lot of other players that are coming back from injury. So love to see her get that feel back because she is such a fun and creative player to watch when she's, uh, when she's playing at her best. She certainly is. And golf's also in Eastbourne. Um, mm -hmm. As we discussed before, she made her breakthrough on grass when she beat Venus Williams as a 15-year-old at Wimbledon. She's got a couple of wins under her belt, um, and she's working under a new coach in Pera yeah. Riba, who I vaguely remember as a player. Um, now, feels like she's got some coaches. I mean, her father does some of the coaching. Yeah. Patrick Moritoglu's in there as well. Yeah. Riba as well, and, he, and I think she had a coach before, so... Feels like a lot of coaches. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's searching for that stability. I mean, sometimes we forget how young she is because she broke through at 15. And so it seems like she's been out here a long time, but she is still um, just last year, a recent high school graduate. Um, and so uh, I think she's searching for that stability. And Diego Moyano was the coach previously. They stopped just after Miami. Um, and yeah, she still has her dad as someone that's a, a big source uh, of stability. She's got Patrick, um, and now Pear Reba. I remember him as a player. I played him once. I believe it was his first ever hardcourt match. Um, definitely his first ever hardcourt match on tour. Maybe his first ever hardcourt match ever, because it, it certainly looked like it. He was a clay quarter through <laughs> back when there were specialists on clay. He was that clay quarter. So I was very happy with that first round draw <laughs> in, in New Haven against Pear Reba. But how many games uh, did you drop, James? How many games? One, one. <laughs> um, that was a that was a that was a good draw for me. Uh, but it would not have been the same on clay. I know no. uh, it might have been the exact uh, opposite on clay, but um, <laughs> but he's um, he was a very nice guy, and um, I don't know him as much as a coach. Ji uh, Zhang Zhang. He's been working. Uh, excuse me, Chin Chin Wen Zhang. Sorry, he's been working with him, and and he's had a lot of success. So. Um, I think he'll hopefully uh, give her some some stability. It's just like he's like you said, she's had a lot of coaches, so she's definitely searching for something. And I hope that's him. I don't know as much about him as a coach. So um, I know he was um, he was very solid, a very um, consistent clay court player that uh, made a lot of balls, worked heavily on his fitness. So um, I don't think that's stuff she needs as much, um, but there is something to be said for coaches that, that don't necessarily coach the way they played. Um, so um, we'll see how he is. And, you know, this will be a good test uh, for them here at Wimbledon. And it's, it's probably a good um, start because there aren't as many expectations for Coco on grass. There's a lot more for her on, on the play. So starting now, getting a little bit of a runway on the grass and then the hard courts and see how it goes through the summer hard courts, you know, could be a good, um, a good trial for, for Reba and, and golf. And hopefully she finds that stability that she's looking for. Let's hope so. Sticking with us tennis, Kathy Rinaldi's stepping down as captain mm -hmm. as the uh, Billie Jean King cup team after six years, which is a long stint actually. Um, yeah. She'll stay as the US Tennis Association's head of women's tennis, 
she did lead the team to glory in 2017. She could do so again this year. Um, what have you made of her tenure and her decision to step down? Well, I think any anytime your tenure includes a championship, you're you're doing something right. Um, so that was a that was a great effort in 2017, and and you know good for Kathy Rinaldi, and and obviously there's been quite a quite a bit of talent in the uh, the women's uh, U.S. women's tennis uh, scene the last uh, well really the last. 50 years and there's been an incredible women tennis player. So um, to have Serena and Venus and, and now Sloan and uh, Madison and Pagula and golf, uh, you know, you got kind of a, um, you got a, a pretty deep bench there. So it's great for her and um, to step down now, um, you know, that's, uh, I, I think you, like you said, it's a pretty long stint and I know it's a very, uh, a very taxing job emotionally. So, um, you know, six years, I think that seems like a, a really good run. And uh, may, like I said, maybe she could go out on top. They could win it still this year. Um, but I think she's done a great job. And um, the players, I think, uh, respect her. And, you know, I think that's clear with the fact that she's staying on as the head of U.S. Women's Tennis. Um, so she's she's done a great job. I'm uh, happy for her, happy, uh, you know, hopefully um, she'll continue to, to be in the in the game and and continue to do good stuff for the for the women in the future. Is that a path you've ever been tempted by the sort of captaincy? I mean, you see a few old players in Davis Cup and you know, Billie Jean King Cup, are you throwing your name into the into the ring? Uh, certainly, it's been it's been something I've thought of uh, and would love to um, have done it. Uh, we'll see as uh, as I get a little older and further out of touch, maybe with with the players, maybe not wanting to listen to me as the, as more and more grays come in my beard. But um, <laughs> you know, I really love. Um, I love the young players that are out there right now. Um, Bob Bryan's going to do a great job as the as the captain. Um, it, it was something I was definitely interested in, but Bob uh, Bob's a great champion. Bob works well with the players. He was the uh, the coach under Marty Fish last one, so um, he absolutely deserves the role. And um, you know, if he ever wants to step down, or uh, you know, then there's there's a chance I'd be there. It depends how old I am at that point. It depends um, if the players still relate to me at all. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I do enjoy that. Um, it's just a matter of timing. A lot of times is, um, you know, if, if it's okay to be away that much, I do stay relatively busy with the commentary and with the Miami open. Um, so to add in another, um, I, I you got to run it by the big boss, you know, we got to make sure it's okay with the, <laughs> the wife and kids that, that I'm away more, but, um, I don't know. It, it, I, I had such a fun time competing as a Davis cup player, um, that I did at that when I was competing, like myself and Andy and the Bryans together, I think we all thought, you know what, this is so much fun that maybe it would be, it would be great to be the the captain one day. Um, and I think Andy's kind of put that out of his, out of his head at this point. Um, but Bob and Mike obviously um, still think that way. And I still think that way at times that it's, um, it, it was some of my greatest experiences when I was a player. So um, to continue that as a captain is something that I've, I've definitely thought of. Yeah, I mean, I remember sort of growing up and when I was young, I'm a little bit older than you, but, you know, all, you know, the top players played Davis Cup and yeah. I, I'm, I'm, you know, McEnroe especially, I mean, he was totally committed to Davis Cup in a way that not many players have been since, I don't think, you know, he, he was really determined to play Davis Cup and it's, and then there've been the format changes and everything and it's all a bit different, but, you know, when, Obviously, for me as a Brit, you know, when when Andy Murray led the team to success, it was it's incredible, and it just felt. Obviously, it's not the same as a slam, but there was a real feeling around it, and there's still, you know, I mean, the the tours packed and everything, but 
there's still something special about that team team tennis i think absolutely and those emotions are, are so different i still remember playing and thinking no matter what event i was playing the next week um you could chalk it up to it's probably not going to be successful for me because i'm going to be so emotionally drained from living and dying on every point when i'm sitting there watching andy so every point he plays i'm, I'm emotionally invested in then i go out and i play a five setter and i'm emotionally invested in that now i watch the bryans luckily the bryans actually didn't make us sweat a whole lot they won their <laughs> yeah. without us having to, to invest too much uh capital uh, you know emotional capital but then you know sweating it out on sunday with with andy and myself again it was it was so much fun though, to be a part of. Um, and it's just different because you're counting on teammates and the teammates are counting on you and you feel like you're representing your country. You're doing something for more than just your own isolated bubble and you and your family and your coach. And that's about it. It's, this is for, for something that really means a lot more. And um, so those were, those are really special. And I do think there is still the, the formats changed and there's um, there's some differences. And a lot of the players, I think, you know, are maybe longing for what, what it was. Um, but I think it's getting, getting back there and you're right that the tour is packed. The schedule is, is crowded. Now I've added labor cup and the United cup. So it's not the only team event, but, um, I still think there's special, uh, special feelings when you've got that history involved in the Davis cup and you see the names that are on that trophy and, and the players, like you said, the McEnroe's that took it so seriously and, you know, every one of the big three that's won it at some point and, um, and Andy Murray, so the big four have all won it at some point and really, um, taken pride pride in winning it as well. So it's, um, it's special. Um, and I hope it, I hope it continues that way. I hope there isn't a way where it slides into somewhat, um, less relevance than it has, um, in the past few years. So I want it, I want it, uh, always to be kind of the same glory it had, um, uh, in the previous generations. I'm just wondering, did you ever have to go for an away trip to Argentina? No away trip in oh. Argentina. I think the toughest <laughs> one I had, Toughest away trip was probably Croatia. There were some uh, some 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 soccer fans for sure. <laughs> we were on the, they had the the aluminum uh, bleachers and they were stomping. And oh, wow. uh, although we did have to be pulled off the court, in the, one of the last places you would think we had to be pulled off the court uh, from throwing things in a, a tie in Belgium. Um, you wouldn't think Belgian fans would be like that, but they they got a call that they didn't like very much, and they let <laughs> the umpire know it, and then they started throwing some things on the uh, wow. on the court. Our security pulled us off the court and um, had to go back on about a half an hour later. Wow, no, the atmosphere. I mean, I remember some, watching some of those ties in Argentina, just the crowd and just insane. Just the atmosphere is just electric. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different feeling. So different than just playing for for yourself. So it was, uh, it was pretty special. Talking of playing, I was looking at your, because I was looking at your, your kind of, whether you had done any sort of team coaching. And then I stumbled across something. Apparently <laughs> at the start of this month, you came out of retirement and I, I missed this. You played yeah. doubles at an ITF event in Santa Fe in California. Tell us about yeah. it. Well, it's um, it's ten minutes from where I live. It's actually where my daughter takes uh, takes tennis lessons. Um, and a friend of mine, Hudson Rivera, who's going to Stanford next year, I've been hitting. I don't play very much tennis anymore, but when I do, it's with Hudson. He gets me out on the court, and so these last couple of years, I've watched him improve so much, and that's been the most fun for me as a tennis player now to see a young player getting better. Um, and last year I watched him, I went, cause it's like I said, it's 10 minutes from my house. I went and watched him and he got his first ATP point there and he was so excited and I was excited for him. And I said, Oh man, I'm, you know, I'm here. I might as well, I sh we should have just played doubles. Like we could have, we could have played some. And he was like, Oh, that'd be great. I would love to do that. I was like, okay, well, you know, if, if we're still playing next year and you know, maybe we'll play. 
And I didn't think much of it. And he remembered. Um, so hopefully he, <laughs> listen. I said, okay, we can play some doubles. And um, we got out there and won a match. And um, it was uh, it was fun. I mean, I wanted him to have a good experience and have some fun. And then we ended up losing a second. We had some match, we had two match points and I, I, I missed this. I missed the second serve return, all my fault. But um, it was a fun, it was fun to get out there, fun to play. And I was getting very frustrated with myself because I, I know uh, I don't play enough. And, and I, I had to tell myself, look, you don't play enough to get mad anymore um, <laughs> because I, I, I really don't put in the time and uh, you know, happy for the guys. I lost to um, Nakashima's little brother, uh, Bryce Nakashima, who played really well. And I think the team we lost to ended up winning the title, but it was a, uh, it was a lot of fun. Some of my friends came out and watched and uh, we joked quite a bit about the differences of, of me playing, playing now compared to before because <laughs> I had to, um, I had, to, I was in the, the drop-off line for school that morning with my kids. And then I had to take my older daughter to a blood draw because she had to get a, you know, some tests done. So I had to take her to a blood draw, then get her ice cream and then had to get over to the courts to get ready to play. <laughs> so I was like, it's a little different than my preparation when I was playing at the U S open, but, um, it was fun. And, um, you know, Hudson's going to hopefully have a great career and head off to Stanford next year and play for Paul Goldstein and continue getting better. And, um, yeah, just happy for him. How sore were you the next day? Very, very sore. <laughs> um, luckily, it was just doubles. Singles would have been no chance. But doubles, I was able to at least make it through two matches without anything falling off or anything <laughs> feeling too bad. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was definitely a little more sore than I'm used to. Great. Well, great to hear you enjoyed it. And I guess you were off to Wimbledon shortly. Off to Wimbledon. Yeah, just a couple of days. Excellent. Well, have a safe flight. I hope Thank you're... you. Looking forward to it. And uh, thanks again for joining us this week. And uh, thanks for giving us your, your insights as always. And uh, yeah, enjoy. Hopefully, hopefully the weather's okay for you because uh, I hope so. It's, uh, it's Wimbledon. So yeah, <laughs> it probably won't be. But uh, no, it usually isn't. <laughs> brilliant. Thanks very much, James. That's all for this edition of Betting Weekly. Remember, there are four ways to follow us here. First is via the podcast provider of your choice. Then there's the Bet Rivers Network on YouTube. And on Twitter, you can follow all our handicappers from a number of sports on at Because We Win. And it's the same handle at Because We Win on Instagram. Thanks for tuning in. Good luck if you're having a bet. We're going to have plenty of content next few days building up to Wimbledon, myself on the women's side and Sean Calvert on the men's side. And uh yeah, really looking forward to it. So I hope you can join us again soon. And uh Wishing James all the best of luck at Wimbledon and uh, we'll catch up soon.